of Let Me Tell You Something during our semi-hiatus where we're not going to be releasing and recording anything beyond any updates that were needed for our Meltzer 5 Star-a-thon. And it turned out, thanks to the intrepid work of one of our our researchers, one of our listeners, who's done a lot more work than we have, turns out we we hadn't read... um, we hadn't read the uh, fine print, I guess, as it were, of one of the recent Wrestling Observers. Uh, because we thought that Dave Meltzer had given this match we're about to cover four and three quarter stars, only to find out that in the following issue, he had subsequently bumped up most of the show matches on the Wrestle Kingdom show up a quarter star. Which, Big Dave, the mad bastard strikes well, again. That is, we just heard there, my co-host... Simon Cross. And Simon, what is the match that we are covering to get ourselves, as of recording, fully back up to date? Well, not fully up to date because there are some back in the day that we haven't covered. Uh, But what is the most recent five-star match for us to be covering today? From the semantic segue, we are covering, well, we've already covered night one of uh, Wrestle Kingdom and its IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. between. Sorry, go on. Between Kota Ibushi and uh, Kazuchika Okada. And <clears throat> Okada wins. Spoilers. And takes it on to night two where he takes on your inter- oh, IC champion, your big, sexy, long-haired man. Well, he's not that big. And as Kenta points out, he's not that good looking. Uh- oh, Kenta can fuck off and we'll cover that later. <laughs> but it's Tetsuya Naito. <laughs> So, I was saying to you, actually, the other day, uh, I think I linked a music video someone might have made on YouTube or something. This might be, in its culmination, the greatest story ever told in wrestling. I honestly think it might be the end point of a narrative that has gone on. Even greater than when AJ and Caitlin fought over one of Dolph Ziggler's sweaters in an NXT episode. Uh... Well, I mean, that's a close second. You know? <laughs> it's, oh. like, it's like the Liverpool team that got 97 points last year. <laughs> so you're saying if it weren't for like 11 millimetres, that would be the greatest story ever. A little like a goal line technology reference. 11 millimetres, well enough about Dolph Ziggler. Um, we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about a narrative that I think is what ultimately if you the, the other analogy I would give to this is that when I saw Avengers Endgame at the cinema and, and subsequent times I've seen it after that I maybe watched it three full times and maybe like dipped in and out uh, a couple of times you know watch a scene or two um Oh, we'll study great theater, don't we? I probably won't watch it again for a very, very long time. But what I did think was that the film itself, I gave a 7 out of 10. But I bumped it up an 8 
for essentially being the end of that three, you know, that 11-year cycle of films. Yeah. Uh, reaching a culmination of it. So it kind of was greater than the sum of its parts. And so whilst this fil- this match, until maybe the final sequence, is more than less your standard Okada match, uh, it's what surrounds it with both what Okada represents and what Naito represents and the whole story that we followed of Naito. Yeah. Throughout those six plus years. And this, like, this sort of micro... It being the case for it being a five-star match. Because I don't think the match itself is anything super memorable. There's good stuff. It's competently yeah. wrestled. But until the final sequence, I don't think it's... And part of that's down to just the physical deterioration of Tetsuya Naito. He's not been involved in that many five-star matches over the past few years. Mm. Uh, when New Japan's at its peak. even though he's, And that's also a sign that it's not always about the great wrestling. Because Naito is clearly visibly still the most popular wrestler in the promotion without necessarily being in the top five or six in-ring wrestlers. Now, yeah. difference between being a worker to being a wrestler, obviously. But you, you get where I'm coming from. There are physical limitations and he punishes himself and he and he pushes himself further in this match than he does usually. Yeah, well, it's... Know. Well, it's the, it's the occasion, it's the isn't it? The occasion, yeah. Yeah. But... I was well he's also it's difficult because they're also both selling tiredness as well which like lends to a slower pace a carder not so much yeah a carder is like because that's sort of the narrative is like Tetsuya's gone through obviously uh the match with Jay White the night before well you know a carder's also had a a longer more you know you could argue physically punishing match against Ibushi that we covered. Especially at that uh, bit in the middle where Ibushi just starts wailing on him. Yeah, and also taking a German suplex off the second rope and, you know, yeah. we get to an even nastier bump in this match. It's weird, though, because obviously Okada is, like, seen, is portrayed by New Japan as the deep water guy. Like, the, you can't deplete his, like, stamina tank. You just... It's not possible. He, he's like cold fusion in a wrestler. Just infinite energy. Uh, whereas Tetsuya's, um, Tetsuya's he's been more the, emotional. Yeah, and he's he's been the nearly man for he so many times. Always like the he forgotten has consistencies. Man. Whereas Okada will always be consistent. Okada's yearly win loss records will be something like nineteen three, twenty two, yeah. or something like that. Whereas Naito's nine losses in nineteen, something akin to nine losses, yeah. wasn't it? Well, it's like Naito's been trading backwards and forwards the Intercontinental titles for the past couple of years. Uh, trading losses with guys like even Taichi and, and others. He had uh, a couple of shot losses. Jay White, Jay White basically owned him until the previous night. Yeah. And what I think, that's why I really more than anything want to just talk about the Naito story more than this match, really. Because it is this culmination of so many things that that it's covering at least a five to six year narrative. You can argue it goes back even further. But I think what it was, was that when... So, cause so many people... And it's funny also, these guys hadn't wrestled a singles match since their previous Wrestle Kingdom main events two Ooh. years ago. They'd set them both off in their own little directions after that. Naito went straight into a Chris Jericho feud. Okada then was about, you know, continuing his record-breaking two-year run with the title. 
and then you know finishing off his rivalry with Kenny Omega before then going on to being sort of defined by the Jay White feud, uh, and then it's back to him kind of being the de facto champion again. Um, yeah. Kind of re- reclaiming what was what was once his. You know, he goes through his cocaine binge night. And then, you know, <laughs> with his balloons. Yeah. Whereas Naito has these blood feuds with with guys like Chris Jericho, and also uh, Kota Ibushi and Minoru Suzuki, and also he see. It seems like what's so perfect about it as well is that so much of that feud not only was defined by it was defined by three things really. Well, four things. Their their historic rivalry from their days as young lions, although yep. Naito was essentially graduating at the point that Okada joined, so they only ever had one young lions match against each other. That uh, sort of makes like Okada's like comparative success worse, yeah, though, isn't yeah. it? It's like watching like the year seven kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so you got that element to it. Then you've got the element of the the personal right so that's the personal rivalry that was defined by Okada out succeeding Naito and Naito losing his destiny. Then you've got the importance of the IWGB heavyweight title itself and the fact that it was a championship that's just been so defined by Kazuchika Okada to the point that he has no great interest in this double title dash that all the other three participants of it really wanted. He really honestly doesn't care about the Intercontinental title, but the Intercontinental title is that third key element to this match. Because, like we said, with, with the uh, with the Naito story that we thought was being told two years ago, it was like he was crossing off every, like, demon that he had in yeah. the past. So getting a win back over Kenny Omega, getting a win over Hiroshi Tanahashi, winning the G1 Climax and truly being the Shuyaku top star of New Japan. You know, embracing this new thing and, and casting off the Stardust genius for the Tranquilo character. And you think that's what it's going to be, and he's he's done everything that he needed to do, but he fails. And so then it's like, well, what is he then at that point? And what he realizes is that he needs to reconcile himself with that Intercontinental Championship yeah. that he had abused and hated and <laughs> just chucks about, yeah, thrown about and damaged. But then he finds himself kind of almost accidentally winning the title off of Minoru Suzuki. And being challenged by Chris Jericho for the the belt and it becoming a part of their feud. And suddenly, when he loses it to Jericho, suddenly he needs it back. And he finds himself just intrinsically linked to that Intercontinental title, kind of almost through reluctance. But that's when he finally becomes the idea of, well, I can win them both. And then I can't be denied. There's nothing out there that can deny me it anymore. Because yeah. that's what that's why he hated the Intercontinental Title because it denied him his Wrestle Kingdom main event when he was the Stardust Genius yeah. because of that He's... public vote. And he also that was another thing he had to get over with the public. The public had turned against him. He turned against the public, and weirdly that made the public love him more. Always how it works, and well, not always, but often how it works. Uh, these bitches don't know what they want. <laughs> cray, cr- they're proper cray, cray. <laughs> It's really heartwarming when you see um, a little little bit from Red Shoes right at the start when the bell rings, Red Shoes and he's is just like, a, like an MC. <laughs> I have, I know, I know, I know. Gado doesn't book like this, but I have it in my head that he Gado just said to Red Shoes at the start of the match, just gauge it, and whoever's higher 
I'll have win the bloody thing. Well, that's I, I know it won't ever have actually been like <laughs> that, but it's just the way it just seemed like, who's your guy, guys? And that's, when you watch it back, it's like more than a minute before they even lock up. And they don't do that extended map-based sequence, which I guess is what that just standing around for 90 seconds did in its place. <laughs> it pretty much goes straight into both of them. There's a fast rope sequence right away at the start, even when Okada does his classic slapping them on the chest and everything. That just sets up the first run sequence and then both trading com- controller... In the early stages, Naito starts targeting Okada's neck for Destino, and Okada in return starts targeting Naito's knee, which has been a, like a career-long issue for him and had yeah. been Jay White's main point of attack the previous nights. It got battered the night before. Mm. Absolutely. Like, like those chair shots, there was like the Tanahashi tap-out, mm. Gato being a prick. Yeah. <laughs> Just in general. It's amazing, like, just, like, a, a tiny aside, obviously, because this is usually where you'd see Gato at a Wrestle Kingdom being Okada's biggest cheerleader if you follow our yeah. Yeah. chain of events and the matches of Okada we've specifically covered. Mm. Whereas, obviously, now he's just become, like, a, a ironclad knobhead. Yeah. Well, it's that's amazing. what's funny, like, because he left... When Okada beat Naito... Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, it was Gado that was taunting Naito two years ago. Yeah. As Naito made his way out of the state out of the dome and, and gave a little wry smile as he left, like I got to you. Mm. You know, like like a Naito the troll, essentially, as he was in, in some <laughs> instances. Like it just made he wanted people to care. Yeah. That is what had hurt him was the fact that he cared. It's a great. It's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting smirk in yeah. that because they show it obviously in the pre-match video package, and it's just like, oh, okay, well, okay. Was, I'm in there again with the with the with the pre-match uh, video as well. One of the things I I know the one thing I noted down about that was they took some bits from the previous night when Naito came out after Okada had won to set up the next night. And they do the thing that you'll always have when it's like a champion versus champion whose belt's the best thing, where one person will raise the, their belts to say, I'm the best. And yeah. Naito doesn't raise his intercontinental belts. You know? he's. Uh, you know what I think that is? I think he's just like, okay, Ricardo, you can posture, but I'm tranquil. Well, I think it's also that it's not about him proving that the intercontinental belt is better or yeah. that he's superior. It is that this is my path to you and this is my way of stop of claim of knocking everything off my list and this like you feel like he's starting to come to peace to terms with the intercontinental championship mm. to the point that they say in commentary he's now the equal most reigns with the intercontinental title now with five nakamura yeah. who yeah. was all about that intercontinental belt you know well he was the guy the breakout guy to like make the belt big yeah yeah um I guess if, if Nakamura had been around, then I guess that would have also been part of Naito's storyline as well. Yeah, you probably like Dominion or something. Maybe maybe Chris Jericho is in that role, I suppose, as the rock and roll character. You know, and you got the connection of him being the out ex gone to the outside yeah. part of it. You know, and you have the connection of uh, Jericho being synonymous with, albeit a different um, IC belt, being synonymous with. You know, a belt of that name and stature. Mm. Was he on nine, nine or ten? Something like that. It looks like he'll top out at that as well, probably. 
most likely. Um, also, I wonder if there is significance to the fact that both Naito and Okada wore white to the ring, and of course, white being the colour of the Intercontinental Championship. Well, Naito wears <clears throat> his white suit a lot. But he also wears black a lot. Mm-hmm. Okada's the big difference here, because he's obviously he's gone from his big, ornate gold and red uh, robe to... The white one, oh, and like the, the UV lighting on it looked really good, like yeah. on the entrance. Like he's, like he's channeling his inner Naomi there. I think there's that almost also that angelic, tran- not tranquil, I suppose, but you know what I mean. That higher godlike sta- status that he holds now. What do you make of the fact that on night one he had a, like a more, he had that, that pre-match, not well that pre-entrance sort of video package with the two. I think they just felt like they um, keep it simple for this one I, you know because neither of them all the big entrances sort of happened on night one I guess because night two it's not because it's also that person coming out for the very first time it's like when you watch a wrestling like even though it's over two nights it's like if you watch a wrestling show that has a tournament when yeah. someone makes an entrance their second and third times very often they won't have like all their paraphernalia like when Bret Hart wins the king of the ring he's not in his sunglasses and jacket throughout the whole show after that when he comes out well he's not made of sunglasses he didn't want to give free pairs well you know yeah exactly the only person that really went all out with that was uh randy savage at wrestlemania 4 where he wore a he wore a different outfit to the ring for each four of his matches and went between two different trunks (laughs) uh i guess that was so the other one could be the wash whilst he was out with Just macho man pants just on a radiator <laughs> in the back. <laughs> just on those little like, areas you get where you can hang your tea towels. Mm. This, this is a very like, English reference. I don't know if Americans do do that with their tea towels. Well, or if sure they have, they have to dry their clothes, Simon. So, yeah. Yeah. I suppose. They'll use dryers, don't they? Well, the classic know. image, isn't it, is of like in New York of them doing it in the like over the windows of the multi-story apartment blocks you know true true i get i get where you're coming from and that simpsons bit where bart's naked and just swinging around yeah he'll tire out eventually (laughs) um so yeah like i said so much of this is about naito having to come to terms with all of his different things from his past and uh even the stardust genius character because in the previous match He'd gone for the Stardust press and he missed it. Whereas with this one, he did hit it. The, the moment he goes up for it and the commentator is like, what are you doing? Well, the whole crowd is, I was like that, you know. Because um, I think you, it was what was so genius about Gado's booking, because so many people thought it was such a huge mistake two years ago to not put the belt on Naito when he's the hottest thing in wrestling. Uh, because everyone thought he just had too like blind faith in Okada, just like they now accuse him of having too much blind faith in Jay White. Um, they, sorry, they. Um... What? Go on, sorry. Oh well, I was going to say like it's it's one of those things. He's took a gamble because you there's that old saying in wrestling: strike while the iron's hot. And obviously, it was hot for Naito two years ago. But he's decided to like take the gamble, and now it's even hotter. Yeah, he's now. Made it so he's, he's paid, he's paid off it two years down the line, and I think his plan yeah. probably always was 
Naito will win this belt, but when I decide, and he had other stories he still wanted to tell about Okada, he wanted him to have the greatest reign. He and considering be, he wanted it to be Omega that took the belt off of him, and so he knew. And he also thought like it, it capped a three chapter series between Naito and Okada at that point. That Naito lost the first time, reinvented himself with Los Ingobernables, got his victory over Tanahashi won his G1 Climax again, beating Kenny Omega, reaches it, thinks he's done everything right, just for that split second doesn't. Okada's just that superior opponent. Okada beats him, so then he has to reconnect, recalibrate. Chris Jericho, the Intercontinental title, him losing it all at the G1 Climax, Jay White basically controlling his every waking moment... And then he finds at the last minute that gap in the that small gap to get through, to reach it, and like I said, to come to terms with the Intercontinental title as well, and yeah. still to come to terms with that Stardust Genius character. But also, when I rewatched it, I realized one of the thing, one of the reason psychologically that he can do that is that before that he hits the Destino, the running Destino, but his yeah. knee jams when he lands. And that makes him have to pause for a split second because he's in pain and then crawl over to pin Okada. And that's too long and it gives Okada a chance to kick out. So by doing the Stardust press, he's automatically landed on top of Okada in a pinning position. Ah. So that means he doesn't have to worry about having to move with his hurt knee to get to pin him again a second time. Subtle. So there's an like to the madness. But still, Okada's able to kick out. Well, Okada does, like, take a lot... They both take a lot of punishment in terms of, yeah. like, big moves from At each other. Points, like... they both control it. Uh, it seems, again, it usually seems to be the story is that Okada will control most matches and the other person just has to find those openings to get to him. Uh, and Naito has it early on with the neck attack, but then when Okada goes after his knees... But then strangely, straight after he's done that really wicked knee drop onto the announce table. Oh. And and Naito does the classic getting in at the 19 count. He gives himself a lot of work to do as well. Almost immediately after that, he reverses a Rainmaker into a swinging DDT. And then he's in control and the knee work just almost goes completely until... When it gets towards the end, when Okada has is just sort of again over in, in control, and Naito defiantly spits in his face, but then falls to his feet, falls down to the mat again. Like the only energy he has is to build, still to be that lost single, that ungovernable rebel, yeah. spitting in the eye of like the the golden chosen one. The the so Okada just favorite, like okay, yeah. well, if you're gonna be like that, I'm gonna hurt you now. I'm not just gonna beat you. I'm gonna hurt you. And then he goes after the knees, and that leads to the booing coming from the crowd. The only real time that Okada becomes the out-and-out heel of the match, essentially. Yeah. It seems the the look of contempt Okada has on his face for those boos as well. It's like, what am I doing wrong? I'm just trying to win. <laughs> he started it. <laughs> but there is, that clear, I... there is that funny respect with each other, and I think that also is because Gato's not there anymore. That maybe it's that they've known, they've seen each other through these years, and they have that respect for one another. Ultimately, mm. that comes out when they do the classic 
on their knees, strike exchanges towards the end, exchanging forearms and elbows. They both have smiles on their faces. Like, this is what we're here for to do this Wrestle Kingdom main event, which is what they're both defined by, you know? Okada has to do it every year. Naito just needs that Wrestle Kingdom main event. He was denied it the first time, he got it the second time, but he lost. So it's not just that he needs that main event, he needs to win it as well. He needs to... And he needs to win it against the guy who just knows how to win Wrestle Kingdom main events. Yeah. And he needs to win it to also get the uh, World Heavyweight title. To win that at a Wrestle Kingdom. And to win it the right way. Because he'd won it once yeah. before, but it was all through interference. And he has he wasn't really ready for the title. And mm. ultimately lost to Okada in a straight one-on-one match when they next fought for the belt. Like, he's only won it once, had one defense against Ishii, and then lost it, you know? And that was also where he started the whole throwing the belt up in the air, um, which is such an ingenious idea that then they carried over to the IC belt. That he now doesn't do that. He drags it. He doesn't wear it with pride, but he doesn't yeah. mistreat it as much anymore. You know, he doesn't raise it in standoffs. Yeah, either. Call back yeah. to earlier. Yeah, I look. I really like the. Um... But also, sorry, I was just going to say, but you could believe going into this, even though the logical point is after the six years was for Naito to win it, everyone thought the logical point after four years was for him to win it. And that maybe ultimately the story of Naito is to be a tragic character that doesn't quite get it. That his greatest victories are Pyrrhic victories. I guess the closest equivalent you can have to that would probably be Dolph Ziggler in the WWE to call back to him again. Oh, it should have been me character. And that whole moment at Survivor Series 2014, which led to... You always go on about that, but that's not really something that people... I think people think more the Money in the Bank cash-in than they think the Survivor Series match. Well, the Survivor Series one just rankles with me, because that that was like the the chance to make up for the first one. The thing people remember about that is Sting. Yeah... No, no, like if you took one moment away from that match, but obviously, yeah, Dolph has a sole survivor. That the, the way that the Dolph we're not talking about Dolph Ziggler here. It was just meant to be a quick comparison. Just saying, but anyway, I love the fact. Um, so you can believe that Gado would sacrifice Naito for a different kind of story. Yeah, which is ultimately also the stories of guys like Tenzan. Tenzan was ultimately quite a tragic figure in the way that he won the. In, in his IWGP reigns and how short-lived and, and belated they all were. You know, they're not against doing that. Mm. Well, you or can't Chono. have everyone. Chono never really getting a great run with the IWGP title either. Yeah. And very often Naito is sort of seen as the inheritor of the Chono mantle as well. Like when Chono gave him the G1 trophy a couple of years ago and they did the Los Ingobernables fist bump as well you know well you can't have everyone like win big all the time can well, you the some people have got that like... was to give chono's thing was the g1 he became mr august yeah. but he only ever won the iwgp title once and immediately had to vacate it due to injury <sighs> such such a like a like, <clears throat> kick to the balls that as well i love um how the like the 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 audience, the commentator seems to be, the commentary team seems to really be into like Naito. I um, love the Aussie guy they've got now. I can't remember his name. But he's just got a great voice for the wrestling. 
Naito has got to take this opportunity now. Oh, the heel one. Is that Gino something? Yeah, Gino something. Yeah. There was a great running gag. I don't know if you watched the most recent show. Not yet. He is in the Bullet Club, but not really. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, they... They do reference it on night one when those two uh, rugby stars get tracksuits. And he's like, where's my tracksuit? <laughs> Guys, where's mine? Or when they came out with Kenta for his match and they were all out on the outside. So, um, I thought I was... Uh, uh, yeah, go, guys. Right. G- good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Please let me in. <laughs> I'm part of you. <laughs> Bless him. But... I just love the way that they scream Destino whenever he hits it. Yeah, I think... I don't like how he holds onto it for the whole time now, Kevin Kelly. It's my one criticism Mm. of him, of him going, Destino! During the one, two, three. I'd rather he was saying, is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Or something like... You know, or like when you know Don Callis is losing his mind when when Omega's going... You know, hook the leg, hook the hook leg, the leg, hook the leg. Oh God! <laughs> That's a, I much prefer that call to just destino. Like, yeah. That's personal preference. You know? That's yeah. But it just shows he's into it. Yeah. You know, like like this like personal. One of the other things is perfect. Is like I said, the whole story is always that Okada has Naito's number. Especially when the Destino's coming, because it so perfectly transitions into the tombstone. Yeah. And they do that callback that the finish is essentially the same as it was going to be two years ago. Oh, Naito has him set... He gets the... the he reverses the Rainmaker into the Destino. Then he goes to Stardust Press, hits it. And then he goes to the Destino again. He's got him all set up. And that suggests he's gone back to his Stardust Genius role again that couldn't get the job done. Like, yeah. going for the Destino, he essentially starts acting like his Stardust Genius version of himself again. And that, cat, you know, he's all high energy and everything. And it looks like it's going to be that again. He gets him, rings the arm, Rainmaker. Okada looks like he's going to turn it into the Tombstone. But Naito evades it, hits his Silencia, which is sort of like a Michinoku driver, Northern Lights bomb style yeah. move and that means he's able to get him up for destino again and that's the three counts but there's always that there was always that sense right up to the end of like okada could kick out of this or he could tombstone you know yeah it, it was never like he had had bangs like, and rides yeah like naito kicked out of one rainmaker and naito and okada also hit a discus rainmaker and a couple of short arm rainmakers when he was trying to you know get um yeah, wear him down and like get 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 the pin. The uh, so he get he get he does get the pin. Obviously, he uh, has his like uh, back and forth and talks about like how he's like finally got to the summit. He's about to do well. No, no, no. First of all, you got to have the sign of respect with Okada. That's which true. Is pretty awesome. That was pretty amazing. Like, there's that understand. They, they've got something special between them. Mm. It's like those great rivalries like Borg McEnroe or or Federer and Nadal. There's just this unspoken there's this thing that only those two know. Yeah. You know? And Messi Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. And it has that different kind of relationship than say or um Nicky Lauder and James uh, Hunt, you know? Yeah. And it's so it's a very specific relationship that we're seeing between two separate characters, very different to the one between Okada and Omega. 
Like, this is defined by the two people that are... Again, it's that whole... The whole thing about New Japan are those those generational talents that very often have known each other for and wrestled or tagged with each other at various points for 10 to 15 years. Yeah. You know, but be, also because they're so disciplined with how often they wrestle each other in singles, that means that we haven't seen these two wrestle for two years. So you can see every chapter of a singles feud. And there is that sound of, like, there was a distaste and a dislike for each other. But like I said, so much about Okada in recent years has been about him trying to bring people up to his level. Yeah. Like when, when he wrestled Naito and Naito was like first winning the title off him, he was just like, let's see if you can do this one-on-one. Like that was one of the things. And he couldn't. Yeah. But this is the first time, this was the time that Naito did it one-on-one for the title and he proved himself. And so that meant Okada, whilst it hurts, it's like if I had to lose it to anyone... You know, it's my fellow, you, my yeah. fellow Gado hater. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's still been doing that with Sonata. And, it, and like... it's just that game recognized game. You know? Yeah, real recognized real. Mm. But then, as um... well, what do you think of that? Is that is that perfect, or should Naito have been able to walk off into the sunset? But that's the whole thing about wrestling. It's not a beginning, middle, and end. It's all middle. Yeah. Um. I think it's great because Kenta like really like neat like he, he did fine in his match. Um, for the, but well, the Goto match. Yeah, and it was it was there, but this start just takes him straight to the next level and just like nuclear well, he, heat straight away. In but many like, ways as well, he is where Naito was, not accepted by the fans, but the difference being that he was always the outsider. Yeah. And having that disrespectful attitude, spitting on those who he doesn't, you know, spitting on convention. Yeah. Taking that moment away from him. And you think that the, the Shibata pose. Of, of Naito five or six years ago would have done the same, maybe, to someone. Yeah. And maybe it's like what goes around comes around for him Naito, in a sense. You know, like I said, like Naito's whole thing with Tanahashi, like the first time he beats him when he returns, he makes sure to step on his neck and pose when he wins it. Mm. But then when he finally gets that victory over Tanahashi in the G1 semi-final, he just sort of looks at like, well, when he beats him at the Wrestle Kingdom, he gives him a bow. And then yeah. when he beats him at the G1, he doesn't really need to react to him anymore because he's past that. He's done it. He's Whereas over. Kenta... Obviously, has something that he needs to prove beyond Naito. Yeah. You know? yeah, and that's why I think he does the Shibata pose on Naito it's as well. What's the thing that's going to piss people off the most? Because Naito doesn't really have any true story or link to Shibata. Yeah, but it's just you know Kenta being utterly defiant to to New Japan and New Japan's beliefs and traditions and honors. So why not attack the new champion like, on, on the grandest stage of them all? That's you like, can just that... come out and challenge. That's what Okada did to Tanahashi when yeah. he first came back. But that's not Kenta's style. No. And I like that, though. I do like that. You've got to, like... If you have, like, traditions and certain ways of doing things, then it's going to be a tool to be used that mm. people go against it or people spit on it. Like, one of the great moments... Um, I liked with Japanese like wrestling tradition is Kevin Owens launching those flowers. That's not very like you don't really see the flower stuff anymore, really. Yeah, but I know why they did it. It was they did it so that Owens could throw them, you know. But um, 
it's a different kind of thing. Uh, but that's extracurricular, and that's not really to do with this match. So let's just get sure. back to this match. Would you give this match five stars, Simon? I would. You would. It's one of those where it's not the necessarily in ring yeah. bit of it that's five star that makes it five star per se. It's but, a weird thing to compare it to the rock against Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania eighteen. No, I don't think it is a weird thing weird to make that comparison. Mm. Um because that was so much more than Yeah. Match. The match was sort of like dress match. Yeah. I'm like I said, my my logic is that I'm not giving this match five stars. But what I'm giving is the entire Tetsuya Naito story of the past decade, essentially. Like, the highest rating you can possibly give a storyline. So the match itself isn't, but the f- it's the final chapter to a story that is. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like how you might give a, a TV series, you might give the final episode a B+. It's like, I would give The Wire Season 5, I would say it's the weakest of all the seasons. But I would say that the TV show is probably still the greatest TV show of all time. Yeah. Other than maybe The Simpsons. But there you've got to factor in so many later seasons that dilute it, you know? Please don't get me started on that. <laughs> but yes, yes you do. Um, or Game of Thrones, but let's, yeah. not, let's not go down there. I never rated Game of Thrones... I always thought Game of Thrones was top of the second tier of great TV. Mm-hmm. And so I was not as upset as everyone else was when it went a bit dumb towards the end. Because it had always been a bit dumb throughout its whole run. It just got slightly dumber. <laughs> well, no, quite a lot dumber. To be I was going to say, not just slightly. But dumbness was always a part of it. Much like yeah. this podcast. I won't say what part. <laughs> Amazing. But Simon, if people want to get in touch with you... <laughs> Such a dick. Do you have um, more to add? Like, um, no, no. I, I, it's difficult because I, might, I think you summed it up quite well. Last, this might very well be the last night I match to get five stars as well. Because his body is deteriorating. Like the match yeah. he had with Kenta that's just happened was a good match, but I doubt. Like we could be very well back here in next week with another match or two from uh, the New Beginnings tour recently, but I don't think it'll be for a Naito match. I don't think Naito will be holding either of these belts come Wrestle Kingdom next year. Mm. Uh, I think he'll drop... I can see him actually dropping the heavyweight belt before he drops the Intercontinental. And maybe it would fit becoming, with the story. And maybe him becoming defined by the Intercontinental titles for the rest of his run as kind of a big singles guy. But I think... Because Naito has just run his body down to the ground almost although then again when you look at the neck bump Okada takes off of the uh, reverse runner of this match he's he's sitting out at least a year of his wrestling career with a with a huge neck brace on him at some point eventually eventually that was touch wood touch wood maybe he doesn't like hopefully yeah. he doesn't but, but that was he's not out himself you watched it to, like that was that seemed worse than the tiger suplex spots yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's the bend in his neck when he lands. I, I, I shuddered. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's he, tradition. That's re- that's your reverse runners for you. That's yeah. what reverse runners do to you. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think this might be the like I said. I think this is almost everything for Nigel after this could very well be epilogue. 
I don't think I don't think he wins another G one climax. I don't think he, uh, unless other people are injured and incapacitated. I don't think he main events another Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe, well, maybe he would in the last couple of year, next couple of years, but it'll be, probably be to put over someone else, to put yeah. over maybe Sonada or Evil or Will Ospreay or or Coach Ribushi. Because he's still a thorn in Coach Ribushi's side, essentially, storyline-wise. Okay. The only thing is that, you know, I don't want those two to kill each other. That's what I'm <laughs> trying to do. True. Uh, or Hiromu? Nah. No, mm. no, 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 no. Hiromu's never going to be a heavyweight. He's too short. Shame. Weirdly, even though Japan gives more respect to its junior heavyweights, they're also much more ghettoized. Yeah, than they are in the WWE. You know, like Rey Mysterio would have never won a heavyweight title in Japan. No, nor would Daniel Bryan. And Maybe Osprey now... has had to like, be foot two. Well, Osprey always tracks. has the advantage of being six foot one. Yeah, ish. I know, so... but he's had to. He had to stack. Like he's had to like hit the gym hard. Yeah, but like you look at Okada. He's about as built as o- he's more built than Okada is. Yeah, but Okada's I'm just saying. Just that... I'm just saying. There's more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okada's not a body guy, though, and he's got that weird long body where yeah, you yeah. can really be ripped. Anyway, let's not objectify. Let's get uh, let's get back to how people can get in touch with us, or is there anything else you want to add? No, people can uh, get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm sending on Simon Cross free. Free for the number of members of Los Iglanobes de Japón uh, that Naito wished would have come out before. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah, at least he's got Bushi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bushi. Yeah. yeah. My name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for ARC, N for narrative. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you're putting out gmail.com at the end of it, that's my e- email address. I'm doing a podcast that's coming out at the moment because there's no rest for the wicked where we're looking at the best of British movies that are terrible. So that's best of worst of British. Uh, the most recent episode that you has been out. I think your mic's been knocked out there, Simon. The most recent episode that you that has been released was uh, Spice World. <laughs> if you want to relive the glory days, <laughs> and then the one after this one's released on Wednesday will be uh, Honest, the movie starring the All Saints, or at least three of the All Saints. Guess which one they left out. But we don't know for certain what our next match will be. I would not be surprised if it was Hiromu Takahashi against uh, Ryu Lee recently. Or maybe even John Moxley against Minoru Suzuki. We will find out. So there's a very decent chance that you will have another episode of Let Me Tell You Something in your uh, subscription feed a mere seven days from the release of this one. But until then... Or whatever later time it is that we'll be covering a Melts 5-star match. And do keep us updated because we ourselves aren't really paying any attention. I think we're enjoying this holiday maybe a bit too much. Uh, there is nothing left to say except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star tranquilo time. Until... Oh no! Kenta, get off, you bastard! <laughs>